this week, we read Tangled Webs by Lee Bross. Um, yes. So, our apologies to Douglas County Libraries, who we wasted money, their money. We, in our library, well, no, we did a materials request for this book, and they bought it. And um, they didn't need to, so sorry, guys. Yeah. <laughs> we have um, contributed to the quantity of the young adult section, um, but not enriched its quality, so. That's true. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, this was a book that we saw at Tattered Cover, like, a million years ago, basically. This was supposed to be, we were going to read it, like, within, like, our first ten books. That was in the same set of books we picked out at Tattered Cover, and uh, then our library didn't have it, and it took us about three months to put in the materials request for it, essentially. So. Yeah. And then we did, and it wasn't at all worth it, but um, here we are. Yep. <laughs> so, the book, um, which I, okay, so again, like, we read the back covers extremely quickly and come away with almost no knowledge of what the book is about, um, and so I thought, you know, three months down the road after we picked the book, I really had in my mind that this was about Poisoner. That this, the lead female character was, like, a poisoner. And I have no idea where I got this idea, because it has nothing to do with the book. But Nichelle didn't remember what the book was about at all before we started reading it. No. So she can't not at all. confirm this impression, this false misleading impression that I have. So, anyway, it's not about a poisoner. It's about a blackmailer. This is basically, this is Oliver Twist, only set earlier. Only, it almost doesn't matter, because as Michelle was pointing out earlier, before we started recording, the history in this book is minimal. It's just, it's old England without cars. Right, it's like set in the time of princesses. It's like the time period that you, like, played pretend in. <laughs> yeah, that's about as specific as it gets. It's not Regency, it's set in 1725. That's it. And no other way will the time period infringe upon the plot of the book. It is what it is. Um, and so she, okay, it's, it's really, it's basically Oliver Twist. So Lady A is her blackmailer persona, but her name is Arista. And she's an orphan, and she gets picked up by this orphan gang leader. We're going to call him Fagin. I'm going to call him Fagin because that's the name of the character in Oliver Twist. And I don't remember the name of the character in this book. Um, Bones. Oh, okay. His name is Bones. Bones slash Fagan is leads a gang of orphans, just like Oliver Twist. Well, I haven't read Oliver Twist. So you didn't see the I movie in history class? Just... I haven't read Oliver Twist either, but no. I saw the movie in junior year no. history. But when you just told me you were going to call him Fagan, I thought you were just naming him after the superintendent. And I was like <laughs> a little confused, but like whatever. The superintendent <laughs> of our school board. Yeah. No. She wasn't a great lady, so, like, whatever. It is very <laughs> fitting, though, that the now former superintendent of our school board, um, her last name is the same as this Charles Dickens villain. It's it's poetic, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look what I just noticed on the cover. You guys can't look because you guys are listening to us, but it's a knife on the T. Is it? Yeah. Oh. I just thought it was lace. It. Oh, I see it, yeah. 
Yeah, it's like lace. This is really why I thought we picked this book because the cover is. Oh yeah, we did like the cover. It's like lace. The left cover is a different than the one we saw on tattered cover. This one is. But it still is lace. Yeah, it is. There's one that's more purple, and there's one that's like more hot pink. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Side note: I just noticed it, and it was a little bit excited to share. We just wanted to. Sh- there's a knife on the. To cover. share this visual evidence with you. But if you want to picture, no you can look to. at our Twitter, or you can just Google. Or you can look at our Instagram, which is where we actually post pictures. We'll post on Twitter too. Okay. Probably. That's probably true. It just seems like the auxiliary place to look for pictures. <laughs> it does a little bit, but I spend more time on Twitter because I post more often on Twitter because that's how Twitter works. But yeah. Instagram has better pictures because that's what Instagram it's is for. Pictures. <laughs> it's for pictures. It's for pictures. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Back to this book. All right, so Arisa <laughs> has been... Oh, someone has a dog. Sorry, I just got distracted. I looked out the window. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Paige is still at grad school. Update on her life. <laughs> and there's dogs there. Yeah, I haven't dropped out yet. <laughs> um... That would be really unfortunate because I've already paid for like a whole year of schooling and housing. Now you're stuck. <laughs> no matter how this, how bad this gets, I'm saying. Um, sorry. Okay, Arisa has been. Well, she's just for whatever reason she's being controlled by this Fagan character. Um, she has no money of her own, and like if she wants to live, I mean, we were talking about this before the podcast as well. Like it really seems like at any opportunity, if she wanted to leave, she could. Like, maybe it'd be a little bit hard. Maybe it's not the best of circumstances. But it seems like she's also, because she's running this blackmailing operation for her criminal overlord boss, like, she does come in contact with the money, does she not? She's the one who facilitates the transfer of all this money, yes? Yeah. Okay, so she has the money for a short while. And, like, yeah, obviously, it's not like she can skim off the top, because what's his name knows how much he should be getting. But if she just took the money and ran, as Michelle was saying, like, Certainly you could disappear in London. For at least as long as it takes you to get out of London. Right. And she, like, has dreams of going to India because everyone's freaking obsessed with India, I guess. In old England um, without cars, India's a big deal for, um, <laughs> for everyone. female characters. Um, who We just and, use this stream of India to serve as, like, in place of them actually having, like, independence and agency of their own. And that's not a slam right. against historical time period. That's just a slam against authors. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it seems like it wouldn't be hard to, like, get on a freaking boat to India. Like, take... They're, like, huge sums of money mm-hmm. that he's, like, blackmailing these people Yeah, it's not pocket change. Like, enough to buy passage on a boat. So then take it, get on a boat, and then fly away. <laughs> like the two Get on a boat, time. and then fly away. Um, and it's not like she has, like, a family <laughs> that he's, like, threatening. She does have, like, a servant named Becky that she's, like, very, very close with, but it seems like, also, she could just bring Becky with her. Yeah. It really seems like if he really wanted to, this problem could be solved. So, yeah, that's a little annoying, because I was like, just leave, stop being a whiner. Um, but anyway, she does it. Yeah. Instead, her house burns down. (laughs) Yeah, whatever, she's going around blackmailing people, Stuff happens. I think we're just really going to ignore a lot of the plot. And we'll catch you back up on the romance. Because that ends up being the plot of the whole book. Like, honestly. Like, there's sort of, like, this side 
mystery-ish. It's extremely tangential. Like, all the criminality... Like, the book is painted as about this female blackmailer. But it ends up having very little to do, honestly, with, like, blackmailing and, like... It ends up being focused on the love story. Right. Surprise. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, she goes back to her house one night after some stuff has gone down that we'll talk about maybe later, maybe never. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> and she goes back to her house, and um, Bones, her boss man, is like really mad because he thinks that she did something. I don't even remember. Doesn't um, But he like starts beating up Becky, and that he like locks them in a room, and then the house starts to burn down, and they're able to escape barely, because Wild, this like rival blackmail, well he wasn't a blackmailer, he's the like the king of the thieves, in London, like saves them. Oh, that's right. And they like briefly had an encounter. Uh, Arista and Wild briefly had an encounter earlier, where he was like, "Come work for me," um, and she was like, "No," and then he saved them from their house burning down and so he like takes them to his house to like recuperate yeah okay so this is actually okay i forgot about i read this book quite a while ago i read it before i left the states um so i don't remember things but now that michelle brought that up yeah this there's this jonathan wild character who is like hypothetically important to plot in some ways sometimes sure why not and he is a thief taker Whatever that means, which I had never encountered before. I actually just looked it up on Wikipedia. Um, so, okay, this is one way in which there is actually some, like, actual, like, historical references in the novel. So a thief-taker, I'm quoting from Wikipedia, basically, a private individual hired to capture criminals. So he's, like, because this is before there's an actual police force in England, um, so he's, like, kind of, like, semi-legal, you know? This is, like, kind of a real job. But he's obviously, and especially the way that this particular character in the novel is working, is like, mm, kind of in a gray area, to say the least. Right. He, like, he will excuse people from their crimes, so they're indebted, indebted to him, and then he makes them pay back the debt in, like, various ways. Um, most of them not financially, most of them, like, them doing favors for him. So he's able to get away with a lot, and a lot of people in London are kind of under his control because legally he has the power to, like, you know, have them executed. Right, well, he frames them, you know, and he has this whole, like, private, almost, like, his own little private gang to run things. Right. So So he's, like, a very, like, frightening character to, uh, to the people of London because he could, like, quickly ruin your life. So, yeah, so there's a whole plot that revolves around that. The, like, the only reason that we bring up the fact that, like, this whole, like, her house, which isn't really a house, it's really just, like, a shambles in, like, the poor section of town. Um, Yeah, the whole poor section of town burns down (laughs) in this fire. Yeah, she's a little, like, one-room apartment. Apartment would be a stretch. Where she lives that doesn't have any windows. Yeah. They live in this, like, the 18th century tenement house, essentially. Extremely run down. She lives in a slum. That's the word I'm looking for. They live in the slum of London, essentially. Um, And it burns down, and so that's, they're like, oh, 
bone slash fagin is finally out of our lives and dead but there's never a body and so this is something that as a reader you know for a fact <laughs> that this person is not dead and it's going to reappear and in fact they do so it was a complete non-plot twist because it's very evident the whole time this person's not dead yes i watch pretty little liars so even when there is a body <laughs> sometimes i'm like no i know better than to assume you're dead <laughs> Your head better be like disconnected from your body for me to believe this. And even then, it could just be your twin. Exactly. Paige hasn't seen this show, but she understands. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, whatever. Blah, 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 blah. The rest of the book is her, like, sort of getting out of the clutches of these two people and making her way to India. We don't care about that. Right, because... Let's just go to the... We do a little bit. We assume initially that Wilde is, like, a fine guy. This is, like, pretty important. Um, That he's kind of, like, a fine guy. He says that he'll split the profits of her blackmailing with her, which is something that she's never had access to, like, any of the money at all. So having, like, a 50-50 split is, like, super appealing. Um, She's kind of... She doesn't want to do it, though. She, like, doesn't want to just, like, transfer ownership from one man to another (laughs) of herself. Um, but because she, like, recovered in his house, she really has, like, very little options. Anyway, so she's like, okay, I'll work for you, but my one request is that I put that me and Becky are housed and fed. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, I'll put you in a house. And he puts her in the house of this merchant that, like, owes him something because everyone owes him something. And it turns out that the merchant's son is this boy that she, like, has sort of encountered at the ball once or twice. Yeah, so the sub, the it's not even a subplot, it really honestly is a plot. The plot that we skipped over and giving you sort of Arisa's backstory and this whole criminal part of the story is that because she's this notorious blackmailer, um, Lady A, and she has this whole persona, she goes to all the society balls and stuff, which is where she collects these debts from people, from these members of society. And so... She goes to, like, masquerade balls and stuff, and she always has the same costume or whatever. And this is literally the beginning of the book. The first ball that we ever encounter her at, um, she meets... His name is Graydon, spelled G-R-A-E-D-E-N. If someone knows more about 18th century history than me and would like to confirm that that is um, a realistic name for the time period, feel free. I felt like this was... Definitely, definitely not at all accurate for the time period. Like, Graydon is what people are naming their kids now. Yeah. It'd be like if there was, like, if Becky's name was Brooklyn. <laughs> um, really, that was, like, the least concerning part of me, the historical accuracy. I think a larger, like, interesting point for me was the fact that it seems like women are, like, fairly just equal mm-hmm. in society. Obviously, the two people that have the most power are two men, but we encounter lots of women. They, there's, like, lots of conversations about how women behave at these balls, where, which is just interesting because a lot of these pieces that take place in the 18th century, like, really have a heavy emphasis, are very heavy-handed with their, like, oppression. Women, isn't this sad and oppressing because we have to, like, get married? And, I mean, I guess she li- is living in, like, obviously not high society, so, like, marriage is less of a... A concern for her as like a blackmailer but I don't know I was like hmm and less concerned with like people's names because I really didn't give uh, anything, I didn't give anything. <laughs> it's just like Graydon's name was all over the freaking text you know 
And it was just so annoying. Like, and every time I saw it, it was just like, that's not a name didn't people have. Give two craps about Your that. name is Thomas, okay? James, a name okay, we can find on, in the on. Bible. Anyway, okay, whatever. So the very first ball they meet. And it is, if you are not a fan of instant love in books, this is not the book for you. Because this is, like, an egregious case of it. I found particularly. Like, there was literally nothing. She was immediately attracted to him. And, like, they had, like, a very, very, very short conversation. That was mostly limited to, like, how are you? What is your occupation? She finds out that he has a ship and he goes to India, and so she just, like, loses it. Because apparently this is all she wants in her life, is to leave and go to India. Um, a la Blackmore, a previous book. In which India figures even more prominently. She's a slightly better reason to want to go to India, yeah. I guess. But, like, only just slightly. <laughs> the only person who's, like, ever been nice to her in her whole life was, like, Indian. And so she's like, I'm going to India, because clearly that's where the nice people are. <laughs> Yeah, so if any uh, students of English are casting around for a thesis topic, um, we would just like to suggest um, the function of sort of India as a place and a concept within YA literature, YA historical fiction. Mm-hmm. And we can give you Especially... some examples of text yeah, to look in. <laughs> Actually, honestly, I'd rather you like study the evolution of like the mean girl character in YA. That sounds more interesting to me. But whatever. If you write your thesis on something related to us, you could send it to us. You might read it. We would definitely read it if you wrote a thesis that was in any way connected to us, obviously. Yeah, we're not saying, like, referencing us. We're, like, saying it's something we talked about. Yeah. Or you talked about a book that we read. Yeah, for sure. Not just any paper. It has to be a freaking thesis, though. We're not just here reading college essays. I'm here reading college essays. That's fine. I'll take it. Paige has a lot of time on her hands just to read college essays. That's again. so true. <laughs> I have more time than her, but I'm also unwilling to spend my, like, free time just reading, like, a plethora of college essays. Not that I feel like we're just going to be getting, like, hundreds of college essays. Yeah, I don't think all of a sudden everyone's going to be sending out their term paper. But one day down the road, someone's going to look back at this when we have a lot of a lot of listeners, and they're going to be like, man, <laughs> time to send those girls some college essays. I just don't open myself up to that. I just want to repeat that we did say they had to be related. Yeah. I feel like I could relate most things I've written to this freaking podcast. If you're writing about the imagery in Bleak House, that really has nothing to do with us. But anyway. Anyway, okay, what we were talking about? Okay, yeah, she falls in love with Graydon instantly. Graydon. Because he has a ship to go to India. Again, their conversation, I think, is like three minutes long. Okay, and it like covered nothing. Anyway, it doesn't matter because they're already in love. And Graydon is suddenly like, oh my gosh, why don't you tell me your name? And she suddenly remembers, oh hey, like I'm here because I have a job to do. And I'm supposedly this master blackmailer, even though I got distracted like instantly by a guy. So that really makes no sense either. I, this whole, the, back of the book the description made this sound like this was going to be about a female character who was like this hardened criminal who's like very clever and very cunning and like very good at her job but I never ever got the sense at all that she was good at what she did at all like she was constantly distracted all she thinks about after she meets Graydon which is like page seven is him essentially 
she talks about how distracted she gets when he's around, which is like, then it ends up being like at least half the functions that she goes to to work. Right. She never came off as like a competent individual. Well, she did when she was in the actual negotiations. But like all her inner monologue is taken up with just like romantic thoughts and like complaints and like every it's she's yeah. very annoying <laughs> to listen to. <laughs> anyway, um, okay, what did I want? What were you we saying about that? Oh yeah, she falls in love with this great in person, and then they end up moving in. She moves into his house because his father is a merchant who was her favor. And there's at least, like, two or three separate conflicts in the book. Because Graydon gets really upset when he finds out that this random girl that he fell in love with for no reason after they had, like, one interaction um, of three minutes long is actually Lady A, the blackmailer. So he's upset about that. Gets really mad that she's living in his father's house. Because he doesn't want to share a roof with a blackmailer, apparently. Um, seems reasonable. But, like, he gets really upset about it. And there's, there's another conflict down the road, too, where he thinks, I don't know. He's very possessive, like, very quickly. And he says really mean things to her and gets really angry. And I just, like, I understand that conflict is an important part if you're writing, like, a love story or romance or whatever, because it gives you something to write about. <laughs> I mean, how else would you fill the pages? And, like, I understand, I for sure understand the function that conflict fills. Conflict between the two leads, essentially, in a love story or romance fills. But it needs to be realistic. It needs to be related to something. And if it's just, like... And this was a complaint that I raised with um, Crimson Bound, where they have this, like, horrible falling out, and he says, like, the male character, I can't remember his name, says really horrible things to the female character, like, things I think you maybe can't take back at that point. Um... I just, like, you can't just put any conflict in whatsoever, and then also expect your conflict to be of, like, a really, like, um, like, a pretty extreme nature, you know, where people are, like, throwing, like, very heavy personal insults, and then expect that to suddenly be okay, and in this book, there were just, like, simple reconciliations, they'd be like, oh, yeah, sorry, I was wrong about that, and, like, that was it, and then they were totally fine, and I was, like, I would not be okay. Like, that's not enough. You can't... That's not how you resolve conflict like that. If you're going to build it up that much, then you can't just resolve it in one word. So there's a lot of instant love, and there's also a lot of instant conflict with instant, revo with instant resolution. Anyway, everything turns out happily ever after. Blah, blah, blah. Arisa gets away from her... Both her criminal overlord bosses. Um, in spite of herself, essentially, because she completely screws up the first time that she tries to escape. Yeah, so, anyway, Wilde is actually evil. Remember how we thought he was good? He's actually evil. I don't think we ever thought he was um, good. I did earlier. Because uh, initially, she, like, talks about how, I talked about how they were, like, splitting their salary, and it was, like, blah, 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 and she, like, wasn't on board with it, but, like, was kind of trapped with it, but he kind of seemed better than what she had before. Well, it turns out he's, like, really not better. And he might be a little bit nicer to her, um, but the family that she's staying with He's decided he's going to blackmail them into um, human trafficking on board their ships because they, like, imported tea and, like, didn't pay the, like, taxes or whatever once, and so now they owe him, and so he's going to collect now, 
and he's going to ruin their lives, essentially. He's trying to drive them into to slavery, the merchant family into right. slave ships. Yeah. And um, the family doesn't want to do this, obviously, because they're, like, really good people. Well, um, only the father knows about it, too. But... Um, yeah. But he's not going to do it, and so he is, like, they're going to take everything from him. And so, and she's gotten, like, pretty attached to not only Graydon, but the whole family, because this family is, like, a really nice family. It's a model of a family that she's never seen, so she kind of attaches herself to it just because she's, like, has never had a family before. Um, And so she's, like, not only do I need to escape, but I need to, like, save this family from their fate. And so she tries to blackmail Wilde using the secrets that she collected as Lady A. Um, which, like, really doesn't go that well. And she winds up being, like, taken to prison because Wild has too many men and almost executed. But then she's not, she isn't executed. She's saved by Graydon. Um, and then Bones shows back up and tries to kill her. Remember how we said he wasn't dead? He wasn't. <laughs> um, but then everything works out and they live happily ever after. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Cool, whatever. They get on their ship, they go to India. The book is over. Um, mm-hmm. So it absolutely reads like a standalone novel. Like literally the, the end of the book is in leaving for India. Like, or at least the implication that they're about to set sail or something. I don't know if the ship actually leaves the harbor in this book, but that's, like, definitely what's happening. Is it not? Did they get married by the end of this book? I think so. I can't remember because I read it a lot. But, like, the end of the... Uh, I don't think they've gotten married, but they're definitely engaged. Yeah, they're definitely, like, getting married and they're going to go to India. Like, this is definitely happening. And it's there's no and, like, loose ends, okay? No. Bones is dead. Wild is not dead, I don't think, but he's, like... I don't know. He's out of the picture for whatever reason. Right. There's not yeah. even any hints that there's some other, that anything else is going to happen. Like, I promise, we promise you, this is absolutely a standalone novel. Anyway, this is relevant because I just went to Goodreads before we started podcasting, and the author, like, confirmed it was a two-book series, which, what? I don't understand where the second book is coming from. I don't understand why there is a second book. Because, like we said, I have no idea how you're going to continue this plot. Because Gwyn and Orisa are going to freaking India. And there's no... It's not like they're suddenly going to team up and become a husband and wife private detective team and start solving crimes in India. Like, that's ridiculous. It makes no sense. Um, so no idea where this plot is going to come from for a second book. No idea why anyone in publishing thought it would make sense to have a second book. Because there are no doors open. Um... It's sort of like they just made this sort of like ad hoc decision that like, oh, this first book made a lot of money, let's turn it into a series. Um, but I have a hard time envisioning that this first book made a lot of money. Like, it wasn't right. very good. I don't think it's that popular. I don't think people that have read it particularly liked it. Like we said, our library did not have it in their catalog until we forced them to buy it. Tax, your tax right. dollars at work, Douglas County. And it's not like we even saw because a lot of the books we find we find on like lists of books. This is not a this is a book we found in person, and so it's not like 
And I haven't seen it on any other list that we've been looking over. So it's not like it's getting a lot of buzz, like, in the media either. Yeah. It's extremely unclear where the second book is coming from and what is the rationale for anyone thinking that they need to be second book. I feel like... I feel like even if this was a planned two-book series, which there's no evidence of planning, obviously, because as we said, the first book leaves nothing open for a second book. Um, even if this was sold to your publisher as a planned second book series, I feel like as the publisher, after I saw how the first book turned out, and how presume it's not like it suddenly exceeded expectations, and also the fact that like I do not think the reviews in this book are good, especially since there are no loose ends, as a publisher, would you not just pull the plug on it? Would you not just say we're not publishing a second book in the series because this first book wraps everything up and the first book didn't do well? So say goodbye to the second book. Is that not what you would do? I mean, you're not going to continue to publish in a series if it's not successful, right? I don't know. It's unclear what's going on here from a publishing standpoint. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's the book. I just wanted to talk, like, super briefly because I mentioned earlier that, like, this was sold as a book with, like, a strong female character who is, like, a competent individual who, like, runs a blackmailing business. And we quickly find out it's not her business. She's just being manipulated into it. Um, and then we also find out that she's not super invested in this business because she spends the entire book, her inner monologue, is just all, like, romantic thoughts and feelings and, like, worries and complaints. She's a nervous wreck, basically, for most of the book. So her inner monologue destroys any, like, illusions you may have had about her, like, confidence and competence either. Um, but I think she was supposed to come off as, like, this strong female character. And even if she is doing things, like, well, okay, she, she wears, she does all this blackmailing at society functions, right? So she wears a huge 18th century ball gown. And she keeps a knife strapped to her leg. This is her protection. To her thigh. Yeah, a knife strapped to her thigh. Um, I'm not an expert in 18th century dress either, um, but it is, from what I understand, quite complex. This isn't Regency, okay? This isn't like the Jane Austen movies where they're wearing like the thin muslin dresses that are like very simple shifts. Um, These are like the full-on ball gowns, you know? with a lot of layers underneath to preserve structure and everything. So if someone can just explain to me how she keeps getting to, and she keeps just whipping it out at several points in the book. I was very confused as to how she kept getting to this knife. Right. And to be honest, like, even if you were just wearing, like, a maxi dress from, like, now, um, unless it's one of those ones with, like, a really high slit, which, like, obviously is not what's happening in the the 18th century. Like, getting to something on your leg, (laughs) your thigh, is challenging. Like, you have to hike up your entire dress. This is not, like, a subtle move. Right. And for a... And this isn't without, like, any other layers of, like, stuff to provide structure for, like, a ball gown. Yeah. Yeah, with your ball gown structure, it's going to be very stiff. Like, like, good luck, like, pulling all those skirts out to past your knees so you can get to the knife strapped in your thigh. And it seems like she does this, like, subtly and quickly. And, yeah, like, she, she honestly is, like, whipping it out. <sighs> with, like, out people notice it, which is, like, they, like, don't notice it until they have, like, a knife to their throat. And I'm like, there's no way. I, 
also picked up on that while I was reading because that doesn't make <laughs> she sense. She would essentially have to do like a handstand and <laughs> take one of her hands off the ground to reach her, her knife. <laughs> yeah. Also, sometimes like I have like a name tag that I have to wear at work and sometimes when I wear a scarf, I have a hard time finding it like amidst my scarf. So like <laughs> I can't imagine that finding like a knife against like oh shoot, like you accidentally slide your hand between like the wrong layers and now you're just like <laughs> in between two layers of your skirt. Like this doesn't seem <laughs> Hold on a second, let me navigate the layers of this. It didn't make sense. The fact that she like strapped it to her thigh seemed to really appeal to like modern day understandings of like uh, of wearing skinny like jeans spies. with a knife strapped to the outside of your skinny jeans. <laughs> right, it, like, reminded me a lot of, like, that movie with Brad and Angelina, um, where, uh, they were, like, both spies. Mm-hmm. It was, like, very much, like, modern spy, but they have, they wear floor-length dresses with, like, knives strapped to their thighs, but they also have slits up to, like, mm. up to their hips. And when you have a slit that high, you can just, like, whoop, it's like a pocket now. <laughs> yes. Um, there's a big difference. It, like, seemed to really appeal to that, but, like, did not make any sense. Like, at that point, you want to strap it to, like, your ankle. If you're really committed to strapping it to your leg, like, yeah, I as mean, low as possible. I feel like, why wouldn't you just put it down your, like, in your bodice somehow? Like, certainly you could just, like, because I imagine there's your actual, like, like, your first fabric layer of your bodice, and then you would actually have probably, or you could, you could very easily have a second layer that, like, ties over it, you know? I don't know if anyone's seen, like, yeah. a stomacher. Like, you would have multiple, probably, layers with your bodice, so you could at least, that could easily be sewn in, and, like, you could put it in between two layers, and that would be much easier to get to. There's a lot of options here. Pockets? Thigh is, like, the literal worst. Pockets? Have pockets been invented yet? Are people putting in pockets in women's ball gowns? I don't know. That kind of, maybe that's what the second book is about. She, like, but about men in pockets? pockets. <laughs> Lady A takes a turn and becomes, like, a famous dressmaker who, like, really is an innovator for pockets in the women's <laughs> ball gown industry. Yeah. Yeah, so she's going around with a knife strapped to her thigh. And, like, we're supposed to think, I think we're supposed to think that she's this really, like, hardcore, strong female character. But it's just completely undermined by, like, her, the fact that, like, once this love triangle, it's... We didn't mention how it was a love triangle, but there's there's a second person involved, a childhood friend oh, who yeah, she's not actually in love with, but who cares? We haven't mentioned him yet, so why start now? Um, he dies at the end. Does he? Spoiler. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember that. He, like, sacrifices himself to save her from Oh, uh, yeah, she almost drowned at the end. Whatever. It doesn't matter. I know the fact she's that she's really bad at swimming. We've mentioned... We know this because she doesn't want to take a bath. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. It was, like, a weird scene where they, are like, offer her a bathtub. She's never taken a bath in a bathtub before. And she's like, no, I can't get in the bathtub because she's, like, freaking scared of water because she can't swim. And, like, that seems a little ridiculous because guess what? You don't need to swim when you're sitting in a bathtub. You just sit there. <laughs> yeah, whatever. We're making this Anyways, book so sound more exciting than it is. <laughs> We've talked about it drowning now. It's not as exciting as it seems. Don't worry. You're not missing anything. Um... But it's just completely undermined. Um, I bring this up because I was thinking about it last night, so it's actually not super connected to this book. Um, but I was, like, at a dinner with friends last night, and people were talking about the new Star Wars movie, The Force Awakens, with Rey. 
that. I was just looking at that picture. <laughs> like, is this from last year? <laughs> Weird. <laughs> Michelle is talking on Facebook at the same time that we're recording. Uh, don't worry. I just got a Facebook notification that you were tagged in a photo. And Why do you get Facebook notifications <laughs> that I'm tagged in a photo? Because I have you as, like, my close friend. <laughs> I'm like, Facebook, tell me anytime anything happens to Paige. Michelle's going to know my uh, account is hacked before I do. <laughs> I'll let you know. Thank you. Yeah. Maybe, unless it's really funny, and then I better. Michelle, I'll tell you. Um, <laughs> unless it's me. <laughs> um, sorry, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, okay, so Ray from The Force Awakens is, like, this is I why am I bringing up the Star Wars connection again? Because I was talking about it last night. That's the only reason why it's at all connected to this podcast. Um, but like Ray from Star Wars is like this actual strong female character, and I like did not want to go see the new Star Wars movie because I didn't think I was gonna care. Um, but no one told me that there was like a cool female character in it, so then I was really on board with it. Um, and like the whole movie, I basically just like kept waiting for them to like fumble it, you know, for them to just like. <laughs> trip over their their strong female character because so often these so-called strong female characters of like movies tv books whatever are just completely gutted usually by like a romantic subplot that usually turns them into just like crazy people or like super weak they just get distracted from whatever they're supposed to be doing which is unfortunate but i really liked star wars and Ray's portrayal because i felt like they didn't actually screw it up. Like, they didn't start out with a strong female character and be like, oh, look, a love story. Now we have no more strong female character. Which is not to say that strong female character can't be written with love stories. Also, it's part of it. But, like, once you've got your character so that you can make your stories a notebook, like, it becomes, it's not a strong female character anymore. And I feel like that's what this book did. Like, she was supposed to be this hardcore person with a knife strapped to her thigh. And she ends up just being, like, unable to handle anything, essentially. Like, we didn't exactly go into detail, but, like, she had an opportunity to escape to India, and she completely screwed it up. Because she, like, this ridiculous, like, love story plot and all this other stuff. So. I don't know. I, like, definitely don't think she's, like, the strongest character, but I also feel like she never wanted to be the blackmailer, so. Yeah. That was never, like where her strength would have it's... lied anyway. Um, so, and, like, yeah, she definitely falls in love, and that definitely maybe changes some of her decision-making process, but I think the larger decision, like, she has to, the opportunity she's given where Nick is, like, you have to leave now, she, like, has to go back and, like, take care of Becky, and then she also winds up wanting to, like, take care of this family situation, and she's just, like, I don't know if that would make her less of a strong female character because she's, like, showing compassion to these people in her lives. In her life. Just one life. I don't know why I said lives. <laughs> I mean, I get that, like, I wouldn't, the way you describe it, no, I don't think that obviously disqualifies her from being a strong female character. I think just, like, the inner monologue of her is so overwhelming and just, like, her facilitating all the time and just, like, not being able to handle, like, anything. When it's yeah, combined with know. her actual, like, inner monologue as a person, it just seems like it completely undermines a lot of it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I definitely wouldn't hold her up as, like, the model of, like, a strong female character, but I also don't 
I wouldn't consider her like a detriment to that category either. Um, she, it, there are some points in which she like is a little bit helpless and has to rely on the men in her life to help her. But I also feel like she makes a lot of decisions for herself and like, and is not like just worried about like her romantic interests. Like honestly, her biggest motivation throughout the whole book is making sure that Becky is like okay, is making sure that like her friendship with Becky is is valued and that um, Becky, this girl who spent a lot of time with her, is like safe. Yeah, I mean, she does obviously, like, that is a very big motivation for her. Maybe the primary one. Yeah. I just, combined with the, just, like, instant attraction and the fact that she instantly falls in love with this great in person, the annoyance of that combined with the fact that, like, then she spends a lot of her other monologues, like, caring about him. I, like, never bought into the love story part of it all, so... Every time it came up, it just seemed like her, like, being kind of irrational. <laughs> it's just like, she barely knows this person at all in real life. It just seems... There's a lot of, like... The, the whole book, honestly, was just weakly plotted, weak characterization. Yeah. It suffers yeah, from absolutely. all of these things. Yeah. But anyway, that's the book. <laughs> Shall we wrap up? Sure. Cool. All right. So the book we wanted to suggest for this was... Oh, yeah. <laughs> the series of Fortune Events, which is very closely tied. <laughs> um, no, but it's about orphans, and they're way cooler orphans than she is. Yeah, we obviously had some trouble thinking of a book, slash didn't put a lot of reference into it, slash we've had to recommend a lot of books that are like sort of in a similar like, category, so we're like running out of stuff. Yeah. Um, series of Fortune Events, which, uh, yeah, the children's book series, whatever. Um, it's our it's rules, so, so we can break them when we want to. <laughs> Um, it's a book, okay? Sometimes we recommend television shows, so at least we're in the right. I mean, we always like, recommend media. a book. Sometimes we also say television shows are okay. Are <laughs> <laughs> uh, related. Um, but yeah, if you're interested in orphans and Violet and Sunny, who's a freaking... Sunny Baudelaire, who's an infant in the story, is a stronger female character than Lady A. I submit this to you for your consideration. Um, I would agree, because she's a very strong... She would be someone I would hold up as a model of a strong female yeah, character. Yeah, Violet and Sunny are hard Both her and her sis, yeah. Klaus is cool, too, Children's... for a boy. No, they're all really cool. I'm gonna go back and read those again. Netflix is coming out with a original... I think it'll be good. Um, I don't even have Netflix, so I'm excited. <laughs> I'll let you throw my Netflix. I don't know if you can watch it, actually, in where you um, are. You can Depends. when you use a proxy. That might be true, because I found out when I was in Italy that they don't have Netflix. <laughs> yeah, you have to use a proxy server. But... Like, at all. Um, but, yeah. When I was in Germany, they have, like, really good Netflix. They had so much stuff on their Netflix, and I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Um, anyway, Netflix around the world. That's our other podcast. <laughs> Just kidding. It looks really good. It does look good. I'm excited to see how they do, because the movie was really pretty bad. Um, I mean, the movie was just like, I don't know, it's a different interpretation. Yeah. I, I like, feel like it. It's a kind of a, it's, I feel like it's a hard thing 
the book is a hard thing to maybe translate because it has a very unique writing style that I don't know. It's a little bit trickier to translate into um, film because the author becomes a character mm-hmm. in the book in some ways um, and, like, often breaks the fourth wall mm-hmm. of the books. So, yeah. But anyway, it's really good. Um, if you haven't read them, you should read them because they're really good. They're fast reads because now you're an adult person who can read faster than when you were. I'm sure you've actually already read them all. Probably. So this won't be a problem, but yes. If you haven't read them, they're great. Yeah. Um, and then on, we're going to rate this book on a scale of Lady A to Lady Z. Yeah. And we give this book Lady Four. The end. (laughs) Yes. You can write it's to us. Realistic. Yeah, you can write to us at sparkleswhysacks at gmail.com. Please do, because we love email. Um, you should also follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And um, yeah, we will see you next week, metaphorically speaking. We <laughs> yep. Hopefully. Right. <laughs> Probably. Well, maybe. <laughs> We'll try our best, okay, guys? <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Bye. Bye.